0: And we're so glad to have all of you here this morning with us. I'm trying to figure out how low I can get without that shining in my eyes. Are you doing well this morning? That's almost convincing. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We have been singing songs about baby Jesus, manger scenes, angels coming, and all of that has everything to do with our passage this morning. You can see in your bulletin, there are actually two sermon notes pages. I'm not certain exactly why, but one of them actually has some fill-in-the-blanks on there if you like to do that and can follow along with that. If not, there's a blank one for you uh, that you can use, but it guides us through our sermon that we're going to be working our way through this passage today. You can see three snapshots of a dramatic birth. That's what we want to focus in on. I ran into this right here. Is this on? I don't even know if this is on. Is it on? Now it's on. I ran into this right here, contemporary manger scene. I mean, what in the world? Joseph and Mary taking a selfie. I mean, I thought that was the, one of the craziest parts of that. We live in a weird world, don't we? And so we aren't going to be talking about this manger scene right here. We're going to be focusing in on something that took a place a long time ago. But I've entitled it Three Snapshots of a Dramatic Birth because we have three scenes in this passage. Let me read it for us. And then we'll work our way through it. In Luke chapter 2, in verse 1, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. What an amazing story. Let's pray and ask God to teach us in this time. Lord, I've known you since I was six or seven years old, and I've heard this story who knows how many times. And I'm certain there are other people in this room who have heard this story and over and over. Maybe there's someone here who's hearing it for the first time. But Lord, I pray today that you would descend on us in such a powerful way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in our hearts in such a powerful way that this story would not ever be common to us. That we would see that this is the greatest story that we could ever know, that we could ever tell, that we would see that this story, coupled with the story of Resurrection Day, is the story that the world needs to hear. So Lord, I pray that you would work in each one of our hearts today and give us a glimpse, not only of what you did back then, but what you're still doing. Lord, this church awaits the coming of a pastor. This church would long for the day when they could have a permanent residence this church longs for the day where they all could be in a service and worship together and lord we we, we're in the midst of the work that you're doing in this world people are still making sacrifices and so give us a sense of what you're doing give us a vision for what you're doing continue to stir in our hearts give us hope and confidence in the ways that you continue to work today So we give this time to you and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. As we go through this message today, I'm actually going to be looking at various paintings that have um, been painted throughout the years that give us a a sense of what people have thought when they thought of this particular scene. But recently, I was at the Bray Community Center. I've talked about it before. I go there every morning at 6 o'clock, Monday through Friday, play basketball Tuesday, Thursday, lift weights Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And so I've developed a number of friends there throughout the years And recently I was on one of those, you know, the the things that go like this, whatever it's called, and elliptical. And so I was next to a guy, and there was only two of them there, and there are TVs, and we were watching the news. And it was bad news. It was about all the riots concerning Trump getting elected and and things that were being said back and forth. It was another bombing in Aleppo at that point in time. I mean, it was just one bad news after another. And I turned to my friend, who I know is a believer— Um, We've talked several times about Jesus. He's very involved in his local church. So we're brothers in Christ. And I said to him, I said, story number one, our only hope is Jesus. The next story, our only hope is Jesus. The next story, our only hope is Jesus. Why can't we broadcast it on the news that our only hope is Jesus? And he was amen and hallelujah, high five in me. And then a friend of his walks up. And this person is not a believer And his friend says to him, what's the news like today? Now, what would be a perfect response to that? Amen. Our only hope is Jesus. My brother in Christ said, there ain't no good news today. It's all bad. Just look at it. And I'm sitting there going, do I jump in? Do I say, no, no, no. Our only hope is Jesus. Why is it that two brothers in Christ, and I'm not saying anything negative about him. I could share other stories about me, too. This is the most recent one in my life. Why is it when two brothers in Christ can sit there and rejoice over everything we read about this morning, yet a person who does not know Jesus as Savior walks up, and all of a sudden the storyline changes? Why is that? And I'm certain that you have your own experiences in life, too, where you can be, at in one moment, worshiping and praising the Lord, the next moment... You're talking to someone that doesn't know the Lord, and your storyline changes at that point in time. I want this story to become our storyline today. And so we're going to look at this story and ponder anew what Christ has done. So the first one is the, the, the events of Jesus' birth, and we find that in verses 1 through 7. And there are several um, different paintings that we could look at, and I love some of these, and I don't know if I'm working or not. Am I working? Am I on Let's go back one. I mean, look at these paintings right here. I mean, I, I love the, the, what, what you see on their faces as Mary just cradles the head of baby Jesus. And Joseph, I don't know why, oftentimes he has his hand on his heart. That must have something to do with what's going on. I love the fact that the donkey's looking in and the cow. This one right here, again, you see Jesus' head is, did I do something? You see Jesus' head, it's got that glow around it. Everybody see that? It's right there. It's got that beautiful glow on it. But these different paintings, should I just go on or is it just a glitch? I'll wait. Just let me know when it comes back on. These different paintings help us to think about what that was like back then. Now, oftentimes what we do is we take snapshots and we don't know what Mary and Joseph look like. I mean, you know, they seem to have a tendency to look the same. But I love this one right here. Mary just exhausted, laying in the hay with her husband in a private moment next to her, just holding on to baby Jesus. And you can see their belongings there. These right here provide for us snapshots. And I can't... There's, this one right here, I just thought there because I laughed at it. <laughs> I look at Jesus It's like, oh, no big deal, I'm sitting on my throne, I got all this under control. I love that little shot of him. He looks like he's about a 16-year-old baby in that picture. (laughs) But let's go back to right here. What we have, the first thing I want to think about these snapshots, Mary and Joseph and their baby, is that we have a human story. And yet it's full of drama. In verses 1 through 5 here, we see all these historical details about the government and going back to your city and being registered to be taxed. They've got this long journey. In verse four, we see clearly that, that David knows about his lineage, the family that he's a part of. I mean, I know a little bit about my family. My name would come from Ireland. It was O-Tally. Irish people were hated, dropped the O and became Tally through the years. I know a little bit of that. Well, David knew... I mean, Joseph knew a little bit about his lineage as well. You can go to Matthew chapter 1 and also in Luke, and you can see these genealogies that are there. I mean, this is a human story. They are a part of a family. But then, surprise, in verse 5, we get there. To be, married with, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. They're not married yet, and yet she's pregnant. That's part of the drama here. And so when you think about, you know, if you're a parent and you have an 11, 12-year-old daughter, or if you know someone who's 11 or 12, and you think about what Mary's experience was like in this particular sense and what it was like for David as well, I mean, for Joseph, Joseph actually has an a angel that comes to him and explains to him, listen, what's going on with Mary? I want to explain it to you. I mean, but how did, I wonder if a, an angel came to her parents, What's going on with your daughter? I want to explain this to you just a little bit. I mean, this was a difficult situation all the way around. But I want us to enter it a little bit. And then in verse 7, we see that she gave birth to her firstborn. And it's a son. That's a big moment. The the passing on of the family inheritance. And all that surrounds that. And the importance of a son, especially in that part of the world. Verse 7 Again, there was no place for them in the inn. I don't know what family vacations are like for you, but family vacations are not always so peaceful and restful in my house. There's always those moments, you know what I'm talking about? The moments where things just don't go right and maybe your reservation got lost. Can you imagine being at a hotel, long journey, and they don't have your reservation. The hotel is full. There's some kind of softball tournament in town and every hotel is full And you just want to lay your head down for the night. I mean, you think Mary and Joseph got into a little squabble there? I told you to make preparations ahead of time. Why didn't you call Uncle Joe and tell him that we were coming? You know, whatever it might have been. I mean, I imagine that in the midst of this story, we always see them look so serene in the stable scene. But there's stuff going on here. And then we've got in verses 8 through 15 we've got these shepherds out in the field doing what shepherds do, very common people doing their work, 9 to 5, 8 to 11, 11 to 7, whatever might be the shift for them. And in verse 16 they find their way, they come running into this city. They're trying to find this baby with this sign. A lot of searching no matter no, no doubt took place trying to find this particular child. They're looking for that sign. Hey, has a child been born they're trying to find their way there all the hubbub going around verse 18 just wondering about all that took place and then in verse 19 you have a mother treasuring all these things that happened in her heart i imagine some of you are like at our house where we have i still don't think i'm working can i go to the next slide you have these little scrapbooks right This is how we treasure today. Go to the next slide. We we just gather all these pictures and put them all together. And there's Mary just laying over her newborn son. And she's treasuring things. No doubt if she could have made a scrapbook, she would have been making one there as well. But we've got a human story. And it's full of drama. And I want us to just stop and think about this because oftentimes we can separate ourselves from manger scenes. And we don't always see that our human story is very much like Jesus's early days as well. We've got drama. He had drama in his life as well. And I want you to think about your past week, maybe your past month, and the things that you've been up against. I want you to realize Jesus had a lot in common with you. And there's a reason why I want you to realize this, because we're going to continue to think about this story This story is not just a human story full of drama. When we continue to follow this story and we look at snapshot number two, the announcement of Jesus' birth, we're going to see that there's a whole lot more going on to this human story. And so when we think about the announcement and the angels come, and I love the fact this Shepherd in the front, just lounging. You ever try to wake your kids up? Or maybe you're one of those people, it's just hard to get up. I mean, we're talking angels. We're talking the sky full of light. And they're, some are shrinking back in fear. The other dude's like, oh, what's going on? You know, I, I love that picture. But here, again, you just see just the, the, the way that they're approaching this. The idea that there is this great light that's coming by. Coming down in this announcement that's being made. You can see the sheep in the background but we're looking at a divine story here as well. There is a bigger picture. And so when we step back from this manger scene where you've got an a, a unwed mother, you've got her, her husband who is walking through all of this with her, they can't find room at the end. I mean, all this human stuff that's going on in the story, I want us to see the bigger picture In verse 9, an angel gets involved. This is big news. Mary and Joseph are unaware of what's happening out in that field, but there is an angel who's involved in this. And when you look at verse 10, the angel says that this is going to be great joy for all the people. Oh, it's just a, a little boy being born in a manger because there's no room for them in the inn with uh, parents who are not wed and all the drama surrounding that. And they come all the way on this long journey so they could be registered. But there's something bigger taking place here. This to be great joy for all the people. And so oftentimes when you read through the Old Testament, there is a sign that is given for a prophetic word that is being announced. Remember Moses, he could actually take his staff and throw it down, it became a snake and he could pick it up by the tail and it became a staff again. That's a sign to verify the words of a prophet. And so the angel says, listen, I know what I'm talking about. And so when you find this babe, here's the sign. You're gonna find this baby wrapped in cloth, laying in a manger, Surrounded by all these animals. Yeah, you don't believe this, but just go see. You'll see the sign that is there. Something big is taking place. And then in verses 13 and 14, there's this multitude of angels. I mean, can you imagine what that scene is like? I mean, that one picture where they got their hand up just trying to guard the light. I mean, this is angelic. This is amazing what's taking place. And remember, all of this is taking place out in the field. Mary's probably got baby Jesus up to her breast and he's probably taking his first meal at that moment. And all of this is happening out there in those fields. But just think, you might want to just write down some of these passages. I'm going to turn to them real quick. But think about in passages like Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 where we get more details of what's taking place. In verse 19, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her, put her away quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is not just a human story this is a divine story and as joseph was perhaps holding that baby for the first time maybe he was thinking about those words of the angel conceived by the holy spirit can it be what does that mean that all of this is taking place in this kind of way this is way bigger than just a human story in Matthew 1 in 123 it goes on and says Emmanuel God with us in a baby and you can imagine Joseph thinking through all of these things in this very human story. In Luke 30, in Luke chapter 1, when you look back at verses 31 to 37 and the words that are being said there, but when you focus in on verse 35 of that chapter, chapter 1, look at verse 35. And the angel said, an Angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. The Son of God. Maybe as Mary was looking at this baby in this scene in the manger, perhaps she was thinking about that as well. Think about all the things that are going through Joseph and Mary's minds. It's a very human story, but when you take a step back, there's something big taking place. But also, when we look at this next slide here, and we, again, just thinking about that manger scene, I want to read to you another account Of the birth of Jesus. And listen to this one right here. Just just listen. Look at this scene right here. And listen to this. I'm reading from John 1. 1 through 14. But I want your eyes to be looking there. Listen to this account of what's taking place. In this very human story. It's a divine story. This is really big. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Look at that little baby there. That's the word. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not comprehended or overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. They'll get us going in here. (laughs) This is way beyond a human story. I mean, there's something happening here. Let me read it to you from another perspective. Doing a lot of meditating on the book of Philippians these days. I'm working on this project. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 says, beginning in verse um, 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who... So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you get it? I mean, this is way more than just a human story. This is also a divine story. There is a bigger picture to what's taking place in this story. Now, I wanted you to think about your human story. And I wanted you to hold on to that thought because I wanted to go on to this next point that Jesus' birth was not just a human story. It's a divine story as well. It's not just a human story full of drama. There's a bigger picture to that story because I want you to really begin to hold on to the fact that think about your last month, your last week, whatever it was that happened in your life, whatever left turns were there, or the mundane, changing diapers, going to work, hitting the time clock, whatever, raking leaves in your backyard, mowing the grass, fixing the leaky pipe, whatever it might be, that's a human story full of drama, but I want us all to step back from our lives and realize there's a bigger picture to our lives as well. So we can look at this little manger scene the mundane of life, and there's something much bigger taking place. If we could just shine your life up here, I want us all to grasp God is doing something in, through, and around us all the time in our lives. If we could only understand what it is that he's doing, if we could have God eyes and pay attention to the work that he's doing in this world. He's already told us this is not our home. This is all heading toward that heavenly city. We're headed toward that day when Jesus is coming back. And we need to have those kind of eyes that see life in that way. I think I shared earlier about a time when I just reoriented the way I thought about jury duty. Well, guess what I got in the mail last week? <laughs> jury duty. Guess where I'm going on Wednesday? Jury duty. Jury duty. Yeah, thank you for celebrating with me. I can look at that as, what in the world? Why do I get these things in the middle of time? Johnny, where's yours? How come you don't get one? Let's just mark out my name and put your name on this and go down there for me. Why do I always get these things? Or I could step back from my life and say, there's a bigger picture going on. Think about tragedy that comes in your life, disease, even just stuff that comes up against you. How do you step back from that and say, What's the bigger story of what's going on? God, what are you doing? How are you at work? So the angel comes to Mary, Mary says, What? I'm gonna be pregnant. What's going on? And Joseph says, She's what? What's going on? And perhaps their parents were involved. Come again? What? What do you say that again? There's a bigger story going on. And I just want to encourage each one of us in here today there's a bigger story going on in your life. We don't know what it is. In the Bible, we get the commentary on all of this, the Bible pulls it all together for us. We get to see the details that are there. But in our lives, we don't have that privilege, do we? and we can get down and we can feel like ah oh, why why is my life turning out this way we can get just lose our delight we can get frustrated whatever it might be i want to encourage us all to step back and say what is god doing how is, how is God at work right now? There it is. Imagine that your life is there. Whatever the mundane is of your life, when you step back from that right there, you realize something bigger is going on. And the something bigger, I think, really gets captured in the fact right here, um, not only is it a divine story, it's a prophetic story. This is the culmination of years of waiting And we don't know what the prophetic story of our lives would be. We're we're not central to God's ultimate purposes in this world in the way that Jesus is. But when you look at just the, not just the divine story, but there's this prophetic story taking place. In chapter 2, verse 11, look at what it says there. This is not ordinary. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, in verses 32, in 33, in, the, in that chapter as well, 32, he will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And your mind goes back to Samuel in that book where God says very clearly to David, it's gonna be a forever throne. Well, where's the king now? The Romans have taken over, there is no king. Where's the promises of all of this? And that word comes forward. He will take his father David's throne. God is on the move. And God is doing something that is not just divine. It's fulfillment of all this prophecy. Everything that's taking place there. And the people have something to rejoice about in the midst of all of this. This is going all the way back to Genesis 3.15. You hear me refer to that a lot. Because I like to think big picture. The seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the seed of the serpent, and that's about to take place. God just became flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. He's going to go to the cross. And that's going to be the death blow to Satan that Satan never saw coming. He thinks it's victory. I got the Son of God on the cross. It's over. He's done. No, you're done. And that's what takes place there. And so there's something big that's taking place here, the fulfillment of prophecy. And we see Bethlehem, Matthew chapter 2 verse 5 makes it so clear. Oh, this fulfills what Micah the prophet said. And you can go back to chapter 5 verses 2 and 3 where you Bethlehem Ephrathah. And So something big takes place here, the fulfillment of prophecy. We've got the virgin birth, Matthew 1, 22 and 23, again making that very clear, quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. And so everything that Israel has been looking for all this time is now coming to fruition in this manger scene. And were the people aware of what was taking place? Did they understand that the fullness of times was upon them and that God was doing something special? We do see a glimpse of two people who did. In chapter 2, in verse 25, this is the passage really that we'd be looking at on January 1st. We're going to be doing something different there. But we've got two people, Simeon and we've got the prophetess, Anna. And look what it says in verse 26. And it had been revealed to Simeon by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Lord's Messiah, the hope of all the Old Testament, waiting for that day when that one is going to come and imagine when he cries out to the Lord in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon saw the bigger picture of what was going on. He saw it clearly. And as he held that little baby in his arm, he said, my heart is rejoicing over this. This is it. This is the fulfillment. Now I can die. And I imagine he killed over very soon after that. But a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And so he blesses Mary. But then later on, verse 36, and there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel. But here's what I want us to think in light of this. All of this is taking place. A human story full of drama. Step back, it's a bigger picture. God's at work. Something big is taking place. But even more than that, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. And probably most people were missing that. Simeon didn't. Anna didn't. You know, God's at work today. And I want us to realize that the whole world is not going to pot. It's not all falling apart. There's a different way to look at what's going on in our world today. God is on the move. He is at work. I don't want us to be a people who miss that. Ah, there is no hope. No, there's lots of hope, and it's found in Jesus. And we've got a message to tell to the nations. We're, we're to go tell it on the mountains that Jesus Christ is born. There's hope. There's a message. We know where all this is heading. God is at work His name is being proclaimed to the nations. And when all the nations have heard, Jesus is going to come back again. We're watching the fulfillment of prophecy. Every time someone gets saved, we can go, there it is. God's moving things forward. Hallelujah. There it is. Simeon rejoiced when he saw Jesus' Anna gave praise to God. Because they recognized that prophecy was being fulfilled and that things were moving forward in this world but there's one last snapshot i want us to see and that's the response to jesus's birth we can see that especially towards the end of this particular uh passage okay so there we are i want us to to think about the response here i love the different shepherds and it's hard to know who the shepherds are in this particular scene. But I think we have Mary and Joseph there. We've got the baby. We've got all these shepherds. I love the guy with his hands raised. I just love that right there. It's like, wow. I imagine him saying, hallelujah. This is it. There's the sign right there. We're on it. We found the babe. But we've got this one right here. And I love the way this guy's got his hands just cupped, just looking at the baby. I mean, remember everything they've just been told. Good news to all the people. This right here is Messiah come in the flesh. And they're gathered around that baby, this man back here in the corner, just with delight looking at this baby child. And then this one right here, I love this guy with his hand on his head. Just like, wow, there it is. There it is. I mean, how do we have that kind of enthusiasm about Jesus? But there is a a sense in which as we come to this particular major scene, this is also the greatest story. This is not just a human story. It's not just a divine story. It's not just a prophetic story. It's the greatest story that there ever could be. And this is a story that demands a response from us. Look at chapter 1, verse 18. We're going we're to see a few different, I mean chapter 2, verse 18. We see a few different responses in this story. Verse 18, and all who heard it wondered. Okay, they're hearing all this stuff. And they are wondering, what's this all about? Can you imagine them gathering for meals and talking? Did you hear about the baby who was born? Did you hear about the the, the, the angels and the great light and the heavenly host that was singing? Did you hear about all this? Maybe Mary and Joseph shared some of their story as well. Yeah, well, you know, we're not married. I, I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, did you hear that? Who's ever heard of such a bizarre thing? And the hubbub just going on out there, the wondering... But then in verse 19, again, just beautiful words, but Mary treasured up all these things. Perhaps thinking back over all that had transpired, and maybe she just fully grasped it, the Son of God. And she's treasuring all these things. But I love the way the story ends in verse 20, where it says very clearly, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God, for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I mean, think about what we've learned of this baby. There's so many passages that we could look at. Luke chapter two, verses 10 through 15. All that the angel told them, born this day, city of David, a savior, Christ the Lord. I mean, all these things that have been told. In chapter one, verse 68, And 69, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us. Verse 77 of chapter 1, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us on high to give give light to those who sit in the darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And we could go on and on, a Savior who is Christ Lord. This one will save their people from their sins. I mean, when you combine all of these birth narratives and the stories about the coming of Jesus... You get to see all of these promises that are being fulfilled. This is a story that demands a response. And so I want to take us back to this scene right here. What about your story? Are you one that has eyes that is able to see not only in Jesus' story was something bigger taking place, but in your life, something bigger is taking place. In the life of this church, something bigger is taking place. In all the mundane, the set up and tear down week after week and I'm putting everything up, the gathering of God's people here, there's a bigger story being written. And God wants to use this congregation in your individual lives, all the stuff that you might be up against, God wants to use you. He's doing a work through you right now. And so we've got to respond in light of this narrative story of who Jesus is. All of our life is to be understood in light of what took place right here. And so what are we going to do with this story? Are we going to be like my friend at the Bray Community Center where we're agreeing, yeah, the only hope is Jesus, but then when we meet the outside world who does not know Jesus, we say, ah, it's just all bad news. Or are we going to respond to this story and say, we've got hope. We've got hope on a Sunday where oftentimes people's activities surround basketball and NJB and all the sports things or going to the lake or whatever, and they're just living their life trying to find something good to enjoy. We've got the greatest story of all. You know, all we're asking you to do is to even take one of these right here. We've given you two of them and just take the time to invite someone to come on Christmas Eve, what we're going to be doing is we're going through the Christmas story and lighting the five candles of Advent and thinking about what that means and singing stories together. We'll have a little wrap-up and have some cookie time or whatever's taking place afterwards. But to even go beyond that, the story that we have in our Bibles that we're looking at in these weeks of Advent is the greatest story ever. And what's going to be our response to it? Maybe we're off if this was the story... Of the world today, maybe we're off in one of those rocks sleeping through the whole thing. Or are we engaged in what God is doing? I want us to be a part of what God's doing in the world. I want us to be a Simeon and an Anna, looking at what's taking place and realizing God is at work. I want us to be a Mary and a Joseph, just dealing with the everyday drama of life, but realizing there was a bigger picture of what God is doing in this world. I want us to respond to this story about baby Jesus and let it transform our lives. We've got hope. Are we gonna wonder over this? Or are we gonna be the praising and worshiping and taking this message for others to see? You've got a week in front of you. You've got a month in front of you. You've got a year in front of you. You've got your life in front of you until death or Jesus comes back. In what ways can we respond to this story in such a way that gives Christ his rightful place in our lives? In what ways can we be people who realize when our life takes a left turn, God is at work. God's doing something. Why did God just bring me here? I'm going to have God eyes. I'm going to go in this wide open because I know God's doing something Because that prophetic word continues to move forward. I will build my church. And God's doing that through each one of us. So what's he doing? How can we see our lives differently in light of this particular message? So let's pray together. Dan's going to come back up and lead us in some closing songs. But as we bow for prayer, I want you to ask the Lord to teach you right now, whatever it is, that he wants to impress on your heart? What, what is it that he wants you to think about? The bigger story. Maybe your life's not turning out the way you want it to turn out. Maybe you've had some setbacks. Well, let's all begin asking the questions. God, what are you doing? How, how do you want to work through all of this? What is it that you're wanting to accomplish Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us, that you would, even throughout this day, guide our thoughts to think about our lives differently. I pray that we would be able to ponder anew what you did so long ago and how that impacts our life today. And I pray that you would give us the ability to see that bigger story and to be a part of that bigger story that narrative that you continue to write in this world. And Lord, I pray your blessing on everyone in this room that we would live in light of your glory. So Lord, help us in Jesus' name, amen.